Hey, it's Ronnie Davis, and you're listening to Being More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap, if you want to end the weight and food war, and start reimagining healthy eating and living. We'll show you how to change your mind, your food world, and your life with less doing and more being. In this episode, part two of why eating whatever you want is actually the healthiest way to eat. Welcome back to Being More. In the last episode, I pulled back the curtain to shed light on the truth about nutrition science the diet, health, and wellness industries don't want you to know. If you missed that one, you might want to hit pause and go back and listen to it before continuing with this one. It'll provide some helpful context. Now let's continue exploring my seemingly crazy claim that eating whatever you want is actually the healthiest way to eat. Today, I'm going to dive deeper into why I say that. I'm going to get specific about exactly what I mean and what I don't mean. And I want to start with digging into why what you've been doing following the current paradigm is actually the unhealthiest way to eat. Let's talk about why everything you have learned about healthy eating is actually super unhealthy. From the time we're children, we are taught that this is the good food and that's the bad food. We're taught that if we're good, we're eating the good foods. We are bad if we're eating the bad foods. And we're taught to not only ignore our bodies, but actively fight against them to use willpower, discipline, self-control, to only eat what other people have told us we're allowed to eat and move how others have told us we should be moving in order to achieve some external goal at a later date. Every time we decide we're going to, quote, get healthy and start focusing on what foods are, quote, good or bad, allowed or not allowed, we should or shouldn't eat, how much we should or shouldn't eat, and we start, you know, cleaning out all the bad food out of our house because we can't have it anymore, that's all disordered eating. Not only is it disordered, it's almost certainly creating patterns of craving and then ultimately caving and feeling out of control around the foods you've been taught are bad. That's not normal or healthy. Having our choices dictated by trying to force ourselves to follow the 12 billion diet or healthy eating rules that we have internalized is not only doing a disservice to our bodies, it is not a natural way to eat and live. It is disordered. Compounding on top of all of that, because we also learn that we are what we eat, and that our body size determines our worth, the way that we feel about ourselves and our bodies becomes conditional upon what we eat or weigh. And so we go through life judging ourselves harshly whenever we decide we're not measuring up. That's not normal or healthy. And everywhere we look, this disordered way of approaching health and healthy eating gets reinforced. Yo-yo dieters, New Year's resolutioners, detoxers, cleansings, all of those, those of us who are, you know, unhappy about the way that our bodies change when we have kids or, uh, you know, go through menopause, all of those, those of us that are intermittently fasting, cutting entire categories of food or, you know, meal replacing with ridiculously disgusting chalky powders that you're spending hundreds of dollars a month on in the hope that maybe somehow your body will magically revert back to the way that it looked in high school 
even when you were, even though you thought you were too fat back then. Those of us that are forever trying and failing to improve the way that we eat or change or maintain the size of our bodies, in times of stress, especially, we do it even more. That's all really disordered and unhealthy. The way that we have been taught to define what it means to eat healthy, none of that is normal or natural. None of that is how nature ever intended us to eat. None of that is how you were born to eat. Anything that disrupts the peaceful, embodied eating experience that is your natural birthright is disordered. It is not normal, nor is it healthy. Every book you've read, every diet you've done, every article you've skinned, every podcast, documentary, guru, coworker, influencer, every piece of external information you have consumed about food or nutrition that caused you to think, I can't have that food anymore, it's bad, or, oh, I have to cut back on that one. Every piece of external information that has caused guilt and shame when you, quote, can't stick to it, all of that stuff has contributed to disordered eating patterns by forcing you into disembodiment, disconnection, distrust, by forcing you to fear the foods that you've been taught were bad and to trust the advice of other people over the wisdom and communication of your own body. That is not normal or healthy. According to a survey done in 2008, 75% of women report disordered eating behaviors or symptoms consistent with, dis- with eating disorders. That's most women, and it's no accident. I'm willing to bet that a survey of men would have this, a similar result, and it's all because diet and traditional healthy eating culture has turned disordered eating into a cultural norm. It has been packaged all pretty and sold to us on a massive scale under the guise of healthy, cult- healthy eating. And collectively, we bought it, hook, line, and sinker. We bought it so completely that we don't even realize what we're doing is disordered. In fact, the concept of trusting ourselves to just eat what we want is not only completely foreign and terrifying, simply suggesting it requires I explain the concept over two entire podcast episodes because people think that I'm advocating for unhealthy eating or sitting around eating, quote, junk food all day just because I talk about eating what you want. That is really messed up. Now, disordered eating exists within a spectrum of of symptoms, but generally speaking, it can be defined as the extent to which you have moved away from listening to and honoring what your body is trying to tell you that you need to best nurture and support it, not just physically, but emotionally as well. And that's what we've been taught to do, isn't it? Our diet-obsessed culture is screwing up our relationships with food and ourselves on such a massive scale that it's made disordered eating not only socially acceptable, but expected and the norm. It has made destroying our mental and emotional health in an effort to, quote, eat healthy, acceptable and expected. We're taught that feeling good, being happy, and loving ourselves requires being in the right-sized body and being super controlled with what goes in our mouths. Even when it comes at this enormous mental, emotional, and physical cost. That's not normal or healthy. The DSM defines disordered eating 
as a wide range of irregular eating behaviors that do not warrant diagnosis of a specific eating disorder. Signs and symptoms of disordered eating may include, but are not limited to, chronic yo-yo dieting, frequent weight fluctuations, extremely rigid, obsessive food and exercise thoughts and behaviors, feelings of guilt and shame when unable to maintain food or exercise habits, preoccupation with food, body, and exercise that causes distress and has a negative impact on your quality of life, compulsive or emotionally driven eating, Use of compensatory measures such as exercise, severe food restriction, and even purging or laxative use to, quote, make up for the food consumed. Fasting or chronic restrained eating, skipping meals, binge eating, restrictive dieting, unbalanced eating, that means restricting a major food group like carbohydrates, using diet pills. So, yo-yo dieting, fasting, restricting foods, food groups, or food in general, skipping meals, half of that list is everything we've been taught it means to be to eat healthy. The consequences of living in this disordered eating pattern, again, include, but are not limited to, long-term weight gain, developing a full-blown eating disorder, bone loss, GI disturbances, electrolyte and fluid imbalances, low heart rate and blood pressure, anxiety, depression, and social isolation. And after having lived that way for much of my life, I don't care what anyone says, it also causes major long-term trauma. Disordered eating is a serious concern that is so hard to address because not only has it become an ordinary, commonplace, normalized part of our culture, it's been sold to us as a requirement for health. Our current nutrition culture has made the abnormal normal. It's made dysfunction something to celebrate. It's made punishing ourselves part of everyday life, but none of those things are normal or healthy. Restricting foods and entire food groups is not a normal or healthy way for humans to live. Feeling guilt and shame around the things we choose to put in our mouths is not normal or healthy. Eating until we're sick is not normal or healthy. Purposefully not allowing ourselves to eat when we are actually hungry is not normal or healthy. And what makes it all so ridiculous is, as I talked about in depth in the last episode, nutrition science is a joke. Driven by scientifically illiterate methods, meaningless data, and consensus-driven censorship. And let's be real, shall we? The single best expert on your body and what makes it feel its best is your own body. Nobody else on the planet can tell you what your body needs at any given moment because they are not living in it. Your body is a natural healer and communicator. It is working 24-7 for you, keeping you safe, healing you, communicating its needs with you so that you have the information you need to help support it how it needs to be supported. But you cannot hear any of that communication when you're trying to follow other people's ideas about what you think you shouldn't, you should or shouldn't do for it. That's not normal or healthy, especially when nobody else really 
knows for sure or can agree anyway, as I discussed in the last episode. As we continue to to, um, explore this claim of mine that eating whatever you want is the healthiest way to eat, I hope between the last episode and so far in this one, I've dissuaded you of the notion that the current ideas about what it takes to eat healthy have any basis in anything remotely grounded in anything that could be defined as actually being healthy. And so moving on now, let's look at what I mean and what I don't mean when I say eat whatever you want. Because whenever I say this, again, you know, most people think I'm promoting sitting around gorging on nothing but junk food all day. And that if they dare to release their attempts to control and actually allow themselves to eat whatever they wanted, that that's exactly what they would do. Let's start debunking those assumptions by first attacking the illusion of control. As I've already talked about, we're taught that healthy eating requires that we control ourselves, only allowing ourselves to eat what other people say that we should, not allowing ourselves to indulge in what others say we shouldn't. Even if I granted that that were true, which it isn't and I'm not, but even if I did, trying to control our food intake doesn't work. Not only does it not work, it's one of the biggest causes of disordered eating and unhealthy patterns with food like binge or compulsive eating. But it's no accident that this concept of controlling our weight, bodies, and food intake as a means of, quote, getting healthy is such a widely accepted concept in our culture because it is so friggin' easy to sell. And it is so easy to sell because it plays right into our deepest fears. Fear of being unhealthy, fear of not being good enough, fear of gaining weight, of being unworthy of love, acceptance, and belonging, fear of being judged. The diet, health, and wellness industries have capitalized on those fears for generations, first by stoking them and then selling us supposed solutions via their rules. Their rules that force us into the disembodiment, disconnection, and distrust that is disordered eating that I spoke of earlier. And we buy into it all because the illusion of control is so seductive. Those industries take our deepest fears and insecurities and they promise. If you do all the things we say to do to control yourself, your body, and your food intake, you'll never be unhealthy. You'll be worthy of the love and acceptance that you crave, and you will live happily ever after with the perfect life that you dream of. It's so seductive because control lulls our fears into false feelings of safety and security. When we learn, as we usually do, very early in life, that controlling our body size and our food intake is what makes us valuable, worthy, even healthy, control feels safe. It's one of the reasons that food issues are so hard to shift. Our fear becomes addicted to the brief feelings of safety that we're flooded with every time we start over on another futile attempt to, quote, take control of our health or our weight. But the paradox of control is that whatever we try to control actually controls us. This is especially true when it comes to food because anytime restriction and control is present with food, our brains crave and obsess over the food that we're trying to control. 
this is not a flaw in you. It is a protective mechanism built into the biology of our species to keep us from starving. The cravings and obsessions that come from trying to control our food intake, like we're constantly told we're supposed to do, end up taking over and driving a lot of the choices that we make with food. That is to say, the cravings and caving that inevitably happen every time you, quote, try to be good with food is not happening because you're actually eating what you want. It's happening because your brain is reacting completely subconsciously to its conditioning. When you try to control your food intake by eating what you think you should or getting back on track, your brain is reacting exactly the way it has evolved to react in times of food scarcity by making you feel consumed with the thought of food again until you finally cave and get it. As I discuss in the free video series on my website, two of the other biggest things that drive us in these ways completely subconsciously to eat things that we know don't help us feel our best are self-punishment and emotional distraction or an effort to meet some emotional need. Visit my website to watch the whole series and learn about both of those. There's this Buddhist short story about a man and a horse. The horse is galloping quickly, and it appears that the man on its back is going somewhere as important. Another man standing alongside of the road shouts, Where are you going? And the first man replies, I don't know, ask the horse. The horse is in complete control of where they're going, the man merely a helpless passenger. Our programming, our conditioning, is like the horse. When we're not actively practicing presence, it completely takes over and we end up having no control over our thoughts, our emotions, or even our choices with food and otherwise. The only difference is in that story, the man knows he has no control. When it comes to our programming, because it's wired so deep, we're not even usually aware that it's there or that it's happening. Right? How many times have you been halfway through a box of cookies or mindlessly munching on something that makes you feel like crap while thinking, why am I even eating this? I don't even want it. But also feeling like you can't stop eating it. Or what about that fight that you keep having with yourself over food? I know you know the one I mean, that internal back and forth over what or how much you think you should or shouldn't eat. The battle over whether or not you're going to actually eat the thing that you feel like you shouldn't, that's what I mean. If or when there are thoughts present around what we're going to eat, there are quite often, you know, it feels literally like two voices in there fighting to make a decision. Most people joke about it being like, you know, having an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other. The angel, of course, insists on eating the quote good food while the demon insists on eating the quote bad food. Interestingly, they always seem to believe themselves to be the demon who wants the bad thing, which is likely part of why the thought of eating whatever they want is so scary, almost like be taking the restraints off of a demon, right? But not at all. When that spiraling vortex of obsessive thoughts, that inner war, that inner back and forth is happening, Neither voice is even you. Both are your programming. The angel representing the voice of everything you've been taught you're supposed to do. The angel is the voice of every good girl set of food rules that your fear of being unhealthy or gaining weight 
has convinced you that you need to follow. The demon being the conditioning that developed at least in part as a result of those rules. The cravings and obsessions that I spoke of earlier, they're at least in part the result of food restriction, along with those other reasons I, I touched on. And I'd argue that the demon isn't even actually a demon at all. It's the conditioning that developed really out of necessity, out of survival. So those voices, the angel and the demon fighting over what you should, should or shouldn't eat, none of that is even you. It's conditioned patterns of thoughts and behaviors largely rooted in fear and scarcity. Those conditioned patterns are like the horse in our little short story. You are the helpless rider completely unaware of where you're going, or in this case, why you're making the choices you're making, or what you actually even want. And that, I would argue, almost exclusively, is at the core root of what drives almost every unhealthy food choice. Again, not you. You are buried somewhere underneath, tucked away, buried really deep underneath layers and layers of conditioning created over decades upon decades by unhelpful, unhealthy messaging around food, among other things. When you're stuck in that cycle of usually fear-based conditioning, when that runaway horse is in control, the logical, rational, decision-making part of your brain is basically turned off. You're neither present nor connected to the moment or your body and what you actually want or need. When there's fear and control, there's no connection or trust. When there's no connection or trust, there's no peace. If there's no peace, there's no mental or emotional health. And if there's no mental or emotional health, there's no well-being. So when we talk about eating whatever you want, you have to figure out how to find that space where you can find and reconnect with yourself underneath all the conditioning. This is what I mean when I talk about how important it is to understand why we eat. Are we about to eat that thing because we genuinely want it? Or are we about to eat that thing because our conditioning is in control and we're mindlessly being driven by our inner, inner runaway horse? Once you start getting used to noticing the difference, you'll be amazed at how seldom it's actually you making the choices. How seldom it's actually you making a conscious, informed choice about what you genuinely want versus how often your conditioning is actually the one in control and making all the choices. Because you are not your conditioning. So when I say eating whatever you want is the healthiest way to eat, it doesn't mean mindlessly allowing that runaway horse to make all the choices. It means taking the reins back. It means getting present in the moment and your body so that you're the one actually making the decisions. To illustrate this, think about your favorite food. The one that you feel the most out of control around, the one that you think that you're most addicted to, the one that you feel like you can't stop eating once you start, no matter how hard you try. Now, take a quick second to bring your attention to the present moment. Feel your butt on the seat that you're sitting in, feel your feet on the floor, 
Notice your breath, any sensations that you feel in your body. Just be here now. And then remind yourself that you can't eat whatever you want, whenever you want. That means this favorite forbidden food is never off limits to you ever, ever again. You don't have to be afraid of it. You can eat it all day, every day, if you want to. You can eat your body weight in this food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what you're scared of will happen, isn't it? If you give yourself permission to eat whatever you want, that you'll do nothing but sit around binging on junk all day? That's the fear, isn't it? And that's what people think I'm advocating for when I say this, right? But so play that out. If that's the fear, play it out. You absolutely can if you want to. In fact, go for it. I insist. Let me advocate for it. All day, every day for the rest of the week. Eat nothing but that. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, while you're present in your body, imagine how it will feel to actually do that. I'm willing to bet that your instinct is to feel horrified. I don't want to do that, you're probably thinking. You, at your core, you know you don't want to do that. When we are actually present and our conditioning isn't running the show, nobody actually wants to do that. And so while it sounds like I'm advocating for you to do that, and I suppose in a sense I actually am, it's only because it's by allowing yourself to do that, by taking the rules and the restrictions off, that you finally have a chance to start connecting with yourself again so that you can actually become empowered to make your own choices. I know that you've wondered why, with the best of intentions, one minute, you know that you want to eat the things that help you feel your best. But the next minute, you find yourself at the bottom of the bag of potato chips or a pint of ice cream, feeling rather unsure of how you even got there, or why you're doing that again when you so desperately just want to start eating more things that will help you feel better. I know that you've asked yourself a million times, why do I keep doing this? That's what I mean, because it's not you doing it. You, at your core, want to eat in ways that help you feel your best. The problem is we're creatures of habit. Habits are basically those conditioned patterns of behaviors I've talked about. And when we're not intentionally practicing being present, which most of us rarely ever do, those habits, those conditioned patterns of behavior completely take over like the runaway horse. So the question is, what do you actually want to eat? And how do you know? How do you know what you actually want versus what your condition is driving? What your conditioning rather is driving? Recently, I was a guest on the Soul Sister Conversations podcast talking about eating whatever we want. And a couple of days later, the host of the show messaged me about a text that she got from her friend. Her friend, who had tuned in and heard me talking about eating whatever we want, had gone to the movies the next night and had a big bag of popcorn and joked with Dana that it was because I said she could eat whatever she wanted, right? Dana and I laughed, but walking into a movie theater and grabbing a big bag of popcorn just because you're at the movies, it smells good, and you heard some random weirdo on the internet say you can eat whatever you want, isn't what I mean. It's That's not taking the time to check in with yourself 
and whether or not you even actually want popcorn. It's an example of just mindlessly grabbing what you think you want. Figuring out what they even want or how to tell the difference between what they want and what they think they want is one of the things my clients struggle with most when they start practicing this because after a lifetime of trying to make ourselves eat what other people tell us we should, like fighting against ourselves to try to do that, it's surprisingly difficult to tell what we actually want versus what we're mindlessly being driven to think we want. Have you ever asked yourself, like genuinely just asked, what do I want to eat? And then waited for the answer with a trusting, open heart, rather than weighing the answer heavily between what you think you should eat versus what you think you want to eat, just because it tastes good or it smells good, or because you're at the movies and grabbing popcorn is just what you're supposed to do, or, you know, whatever. After decades of shitting yourself to death, how are you even supposed to know? One of my newest clients asked this very question recently because when you start trying to parse out the difference between you and your conditioning, it is surprisingly difficult to figure out the answer, the simple answer to the question, what do I want to eat? This is one of many reasons why clients love the ECT process, because I'm there to help guide you through these dozens of little sticky spots when they come up. Even just the reminder that it's normal to feel that way is usually really helpful because it's so easy to get frustrated and all judgy with ourselves when we feel like we should know the answer to a seemingly simple question like, do I even want to eat that thing? After decades of trying to follow the rules while being controlled by your conditioning, it is totally normal to not even know what you want to eat, what you want to eat. Or whether it's actually you making the choices versus your inner runaway horse. It requires learning new skills and practicing. With ECET, I teach clients how by being more. That's the title of this podcast. That is being more wholehearted, present, connected, curious, and intentional. You may have heard me talk about this before, but in case you haven't, or even if you have, in case you need the reminder, Let me break down what it is and how it helps. Being wholehearted is about fully loving and valuing ourselves exactly as we are. I love the way Brene Brown describes the concept of living wholehearted. She says it's about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I am imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. Doesn't that sound grand? Though I'd also add, it's about living from the knowledge that no matter what we eat or weigh, we are still brave. We are enough, worthy of belonging, acceptance, and love, our own and that of others. Being wholehearted is about living from a foundation rooted solidly in the knowledge of our own worthiness. It's about loving and valuing ourselves exactly the way we are. And it is a vital part of learning to actually, quote, eat healthy, because we treat ourselves the way we believe we deserve to be treated. But so often we approach it backwards, because we're taught that Eating right makes us good. We try to force ourselves 
to do so in an effort to feel better about ourselves. I know you know what I mean because I know how much better you feel about yourselves on the days that you're good with food. You're proud of yourself on those days, aren't you? The problem with only feeling good about yourself when you eat right or when the scale goes down is how quickly you lose those feelings when you cave and eat the quote wrong thing or the scale goes in the other direction. Being wholehearted is about being grounded so firmly in your own worthiness, exactly as you are, that you don't need to meet arbitrary external conditions to feel worthy of love and belonging. Because when we judge ourselves for not being in a perfect body or for putting on weight or for eating something, quote, bad, we treat ourselves accordingly, meaning we tend to punish and reject ourselves. This is one major cause of the conditioning that drives unhealthy behaviors with food that I talked about earlier. When we learn instead to engage in life through wholeheartedness in this way, we naturally want to embrace anything and everything that helps support the life we know we deserve. Anything and everything that moves us farther away from that organically falls away. This includes unhealthy patterns with food, people, situations, everything. For me, not only did it completely shift everything about my relationship with food and the way that I ate, I stopped wanting to do other things that weren't good for me either, like drinking alcohol, baking in the summer all or baking in the sun all summer long, or over-exercising in self-punishing ways. I didn't even stop trying to do those things. I just had no desire to do them anymore. I haven't even had a drink of alcohol in probably five years or so. Just no desire to because it doesn't help me feel my best. It's not good for me. When we love and value ourselves and our bodies enough, we crave good things for ourselves. We can't help it. From this foundation of worthiness, we also practice being more present and connected in this moment and in our bodies. This is vital too, because when we're stuck in our heads, ruminating over what we think we should be eating in order to create some future outcome, you know, to change the number on the scale or to reach some arbitrary health goal, for example, when we're ruminating in those thoughts, trying to create that future outcome, we are fully stuck in fear. And when we're fully stuck in fear, our conditioning is running the show. It's the one making all the decisions. It's like we're stuck on the back of that runaway horse. The horse is in control. We are not capable of deciding what we want in this moment if we are not fully present in it. Nor are we capable of discerning what our body is trying to communicate that we need if we're stuck in our heads and not present and connected in our bodies. This is one of the reasons emotional eating is so common. Most of us learn early on that emotions aren't safe. We grow up in households that teach us not to cry or we'll be given something to cry about. When, when we learn to, or don't learn rather, to understand and manage our emotions, we learn our own coping strategies for those things, often with food. When food becomes a coping strategy for uncomfortable emotions, we begin to associate everything that happens in our bodies, everything that we feel, with hunger. 
If you've ever wandered around the kitchen feeling like you want something to eat but can't figure out what, or if you eat six different things trying to find the one thing that you actually want, that's what I mean. Your conditioning in those cases is driving you to wander around looking for something because it's detected a need present. And because your conditioning has learned that food is the solution to everything, you're searching for food. When there's an emotional need present, food isn't usually the solution that our brains think that it is. And so we just keep searching for something else because food isn't giving us, it's not actually giving us what we actually need in that moment. But when we're not connected to our bodies, we don't know that. We need this presence and connection. We need this embodiment to be able to recognize when there's a need present and what it is so that we can actually meet those needs in a way that supports them rather than always just mindlessly using food to stuff or numb them. When we love ourselves and value ourselves enough, we naturally want to support our emotional health in the best way that we can. Understanding what we need and want in any given moment requires connection, but it also requires being curious. Non-judgmental curiosity helps us explore what we're really feeling and why. And lastly, we practice being more intentional. Being more intentional is about intentionally pulling ourselves out of those autopilot patterns so we can be present, connected, curious, and then intentionally making choices for ourselves from a place of wholehearted kindness, trust and love rather than shame, fear, and control. See, when I say eating whatever you want is the healthiest way to eat, I don't mean mindlessly letting your inner runaway horse take over. I mean taking the reins back. I mean learning to recognize the difference between you making a conscious, informed choice that's grounded in love and trust versus your conditioning. And also learning to change the conditioning that isn't serving you so that you naturally start wanting to make choices that you are not only thoroughly enjoying, but that help you feel your best. Wholehearted being, as I teach in ECET, is one of the best ways to get there because it helps to address all the causes of unhealthy patterns with food. To get started, practice reminding yourself that nothing is off limits. You can eat your body weight in, quote, junk if you want to all day, every day. But from there, ask yourself, do I really want to? The next time you're about to eat, ask yourself, what do I want to eat? Ask yourself why you want it and listen for the answer without judgment. Notice that often in the beginning, you'll probably hear a lot of things like, I don't know, because it tastes good and I just want it. Or you'll probably hear, well, because I just do and Ronnie says I can. Things like that are normal. But your practices aren't done yet there when you get those answers because we want to get you out of your conditioning and into your body. So bring your attention into your body. Think about eating the thing that you think you want. Think about what it's going to taste like. Think about the texture. Think about what it will feel like to eat it. And consider, do I feel like having that? Sometimes framing the question as, do I really feel like that? When you think about the taste and the texture and all of those things can also be helpful. Think about how you'll feel while you eat it. 
Think about how you'll feel after you'll eat, after you eat it, and think, you know, do I want to feel that way? Do I want to feel the way eating that thing is going to make me feel? I know this sounds like a lot of thinking <laughs> and a long process. When you when you ask the questions, first of all, don't listen for the, your thoughts to answer the questions. This risks getting swept away in that fear-based back and forth that we all know so well. Instead, listen to your body and recognize that this takes practice, so be patient with it. If you're trying to listen to your body and you're noticing that you're not really hearing anything or you're not really able to discern anything that's happening from the neck down, notice that too. Again, non-judgmental curiosity. Just notice, I'm not noticing anything from the neck down. I don't know what my body's trying to tell me. That's something to notice. And recognize that that's a skill that you're probably going to have to relearn after decades of trying to ignore it, and that's okay too. If you're hearing that little back and forth argument happening in your head in an effort to make a decision, it's a pretty clear sign that you are stuck in conditioning and fear, and you're not making choices from your body. So get out of your head, into your body, and ask again. And again, I know that this sounds like it's it's, you know, a lot of thought, it's a lot of time and effort to put into, you know, over simply making a food choice. But two things I want to offer about that. First, at this stage, it's a necessary part of the process, right? There's, there's really no getting around it because you have to relearn how to reconnect with yourself. And the truth is you've probably spent the last number of decades completely consumed with unhelpful thoughts of food anyway. So it's not like doing this is adding any more thoughts to your day. Doing this is really about being present and intentional about how you're directing your thoughts and how your thoughts are impacting you rather than allowing them to run away with you and keep you stuck in those patterns. And the second thing I will offer is that it won't be like this forever. Eventually, this just becomes second nature. And it will all happen naturally behind the scenes, so it won't take any time or effort at all. It just takes putting in some of this time now to practice in order to get there. And I promise you that it's worth it. It is so, so very worth it. For more help getting started with it, head over to my website at www.ecet.online and grab a copy of my free peace framework. I outline a really simple practice there to help you build more of this connection and whatnot that I've been talking about. But I want to leave you for now with some recent comments from one of my newest clients. When she started with me a few months ago, she was binge eating several times per week. Now, not only has she stopped binging, but she's able to actually eat like one cookie and be satisfied, or even just a half an ice cream bar and not want the rest of it. And she's actually learned to crave vegetables. As I always say, when you change the conditioning that drives the unhealthy patterns and learn to love yourself enough to want to make choices that best support your health and well-being, healthy eating is the natural result. It is the outcome. It's not a goal you have to keep making yourself miserable trying to chase. Anyway, she said, quote, I no longer feel afraid of food. 
I love to bake, but I didn't love the dread I felt when the leftovers called to me and I had to wrestle with self-control. Now it feels simple. I eat whatever I want when I want, not in a frenzied, stressed out, out of control way, but as a choice that maximizes my enjoyment, which includes feeling good in my body. If I eat more than is comfortable, I don't go down a shame spiral and speak horribly to myself like I used to. Instead, I notice how I'm feeling and I take it as information for next time. And that's okay because perfection is not a goal anymore. Being myself in each moment and enjoying life is. She goes on, it actually takes a lot of courage to give yourself permission to eat whatever you want. So don't think you're getting away with something when you begin. You're being brave for choosing to trust yourself and allowing your body the space to communicate with you. There were a few days early in the program when I ate a lot of cake. I stayed grounded in my body and I didn't try to escape the resulting headaches and stomach aches. As I spoke kindly to myself, which takes a lot of energy and practice too, I realized that I deserved to enjoy food and to feel good too. And now I'm finally happy with the serving size. It just leaves me feeling good. Another thing that plagued me with shoulds was eating vegetables. With a little encouragement from Ronnie, I suspended my skepticism and completely stopped eating veggies. By the fifth day, my digestion was unhappy and broccoli suddenly sounded really good. It felt absolutely bonkers. I had never craved a vegetable before in my life. I think I needed that reset to let my body tell me what was good for it. Now, if something's not appealing, I don't eat it. I think it's really hard for a lot of us to hold on to our agency when it comes to food because we're bombarded with so many messages. But by choosing every single time I eat, I am free. I feel a sense of freedom and lightness that has expanded into my relationships and other areas of my life. And I feel a sense of well-being and clarity that I have not had for decades. End quote. My friends, that is truly healthy eating and living. And it happens when you learn to eat what you want. No matter how addicted to or out of control around food you currently feel, I promise with the right tools, practice, and support, this reality is available to you too. You've been listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.